Welcome to Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards podcast for the week of October 25, 2010. I'm Chris Bevelo, president of Interval, the healthcare marketing agency that puts out the podcast, and joined today by Jackie Ritako, account coordinator with Interval, and Adam Meyer, creative director at Interval. Good to see you guys again. Yeah. Yeah. We missed a week, right? Yeah, uh, we did. Yeah, we did yeah. last week's. Yeah, because this will come out next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that time warp thing. I've been kind <laughs> of. It's the tra- my travel schedule is making it really hard to. It's a hectic time. Be in studio. <laughs> studio <laughs> A. It's a hectic time. That's good. It's hectic. Studio I. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I, I we did travel last week. Jackie, you and I traveled last week. We were in Michigan for a client. Oh yeah. Yeah, I know it seems so long ago. And it then, does. Here in Minnesota to speak at the mission conference, and then I went to Kentucky mm-hmm. at the beginning of the week. So, yeah, kind of coming and going all over the place. So that's why we had to skip one. Whatever. Uh, so updates. What can we update people before we dive into something new? Uh, here's. I don't know why I care about this now. This will be the third time we've talked about Burger King in the last <laughs> three episodes, I think. It is really? almost lunchtime. You've got another Well, the first deal? one we talked about kind of a mea culpa about, you know, we were all over their new brand positioning, and then we found out that actually it failed them because it was too focused, which was, you know, their own fault. Right. And then we followed up with something after that. I can't remember. But then a story came out in Business Week uh, on October 7th talking about uh, Burger King has come out. So they, they were sold to a large, uh, some kind of firm, Entity. investment firm, <laughs> some kind of, yes. And they are going to put potentially $3 billion into wow. renovating 85% of the 7,200 Burger King locations in the U.S. Because we had wow. spent a lot of time talking about, at first Adam was, scoffing a little bit well they're just fine and we were like no they're like most burger kings are cornholio (laughs) and mcdonald's has spent a lot of money so actually the story starts off with just some anecdote about a woman who uh went into the fancy new mcdonald's in manhattan's uh and then her quote was mcdonald's is more uplifting she said burger king is so blah so then the story was about how they're going to spend a buttload half a million to 1.1 million dollars per burger king just wow. to renovate. That's it. quite an upgrade. So anyway, I don't know why we, why I care about that anymore. I just think <laughs> it's interesting that after we talked about it, then this came out. We were talking about their need to enhance their stores. Well, they had to do something. Clearly, the CEO John Chidsey is listening to our podcast. <laughs> said, you know, they're Who's right. Not? Where's the checkbook? <laughs> hey, speaking of, you know, we, we've 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 discussed Burger King a few times, and of course. We have discussed uh, Starbucks a few times. We have. And did you hear in the mm-hmm. news recently they're going to start serving wine and beer? Yes. At Starbucks? At Starbucks. I did not hear that. Yeah. I don't have any more on it other than that. But wine That's interesting. would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But I wouldn't I go know. to Starbucks to drink beer and wine. But Well, it, I guess it depends. That's interesting. If, if I wouldn't go to... I mean, I, I equate the, their current setting with just being kind of a relaxing place to get some work done or hang out with a... Hang out with, meet up with somebody and have a coffee. Not to dance on tables. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> but some people have wine and co- and beer without dancing on tables, Jackie. That's, <laughs> that's true. That's, that's true. Is for you. Sorry. Um, so I don't know if I could envision the current setting as a place I would go for a wine or beer. Maybe they're going to overhaul the settings or update them a little bit too. I don't know. I don't equate the mm-hmm. whole lodge feel with wine and 
beer. Oh, come on. That... I like the idea of going to Starbucks at night. I don't like the idea of having coffee at night. Sure. As many people, sure. you wouldn't be able to sleep. Uh, so in that sense, it makes it, it seems to come together. But when you first said that, the first thing that ran through my head was the taste of wine and how that just like destroys what I think of coffee taste. Yeah. So it was like, yeah. like a negative, visceral, like, well, even though clearly I would never be drinking both at the same time. <laughs> Wonder not so clearly. <laughs> wonder if they're trying to kill too many birds with one stone there. I mean, it's kind of the, that whole concept of the, the restaurant cafe where they serve coffee and you can also get beer and wine, not cocktails, and then it's kind of like to-go type food, only a little more higher end. Seems to be the thing right now, so interesting. You get a frap, frap of wino? It might be a little... <laughs> wine <laughs> seems closer than beer, but I suppose some a people don't like wine. Beer so chino? Wine and beer, but... I'm trying I to think know. of... I mean, it goes to their concept of third place, which is kind of what you just described. That's what they used to call it, which was not home, not work, but somewhere you could go hang out. Yep. Uh, so it seems to fit with that that idea, but it might be a little too far afield and might really confuse people and muddle their brand. And mm-hmm. hmm, we'll have to watch more on that. Yeah, yeah. I that. And cool. I don't think we talked about this last time, but we tweeted it. Or who tweeted it? Reed Smith. Tweeted about Grey's Anatomy. Was it Reed? No, Alan no. Woodstrom from yeah. Twin Cities Orthopedics. That's where I first saw it. Had said, ooh, they're going to talk about doctors and billboards on Grey's Anatomy. That was last week. So we actually watched it on Hulu. And it was just, at least the part I saw was a little snippet where a big, big wig, and I don't watch the show, so I don't know what wig he is. I think he's chief medical officer, maybe CEO or administrator. Is the African-American guy? Yes. Yep. So do you know what his title is? He's like Um, a a doctor, right? He was a doctor. He is a doctor. I think he's a chief. But he could be a CEO and be a doctor, too. I don't know. Unheard of. He's not? Okay. No, but he's a medical guy. So the name, what I think is funny, first of all, is I don't watch the show, but the name on the billboard was Seattle Grace Mercy West Hospital, which I laughed at. (laughs) And the, the, the billboard was, he held it up to Meredith, who's like one of the stars. Mm hmm. He said, oh, I could get your input. Do you think so-and-so, I can't, who's McDreamy? Patrick. Patrick Dempsey? Yeah, what's his name? McDreamy. No, his <laughs> real name. Whatever. Do you think he would want to have his face in a billboard? And he held up a comp of a billboard mm-hmm. that was basically like blue sky background, McDreamy, Patrick Dempsey, smiling. Chest up. And the headline was, where doctors are your friends. Oh. <laughs> Oh, I thought that was hilarious. Well, you could put him on a billboard any day and yes, that's that'd what I, be fine. <laughs> I actually think that was the point. The point was he's so gorgeous yeah. that that's our message. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That'd resonate with me, but... Ooh, I want him to be my friend. And the whole <laughs> yeah. show, I had to watch half that's the funny. show while I was working. I had it on on Hulu in the background. It was all about that. Is that all the show's about? Sexual innuendo and attraction oh, yeah. with the, yeah. the medical staff? Yeah. I don't watch it anymore. It's gotten a little... Everyone's sleeping with everyone. Yes, type. that's what I inferred from mm-hmm. twenty minutes of. If I were to program. devote a half hour of my time to watch a show like that, it would probably be Scrubs instead, because at least that's supposed to be ridiculous. That yes. show can be funny. Scrubs yeah. was funny. I watched that for years. Very funny. Okay, anything else we want to update before we get into <clears throat> a couple of new things? Yeah. No. Okay. 
Uh, this next one I saw floating through the Twitch stream yesterday. <laughs> and I think a number of people posted this independently. <clears throat> and it was an article in the Wall Street Journal called, Is it time for hospital compare to tap public opinion? So hospital compare is the CMS, Medicare's uh, web tool mm -hmm. that allows you to compare hospitals on different things. And the two primary areas you can compare them are quality, qual uh, quality outcomes, and HCAPS scores okay. or responses. And HCAPS is, I can't remember what that acronym stands for, but it's basically uh, HCAPS is consumer preference. So they will ask people pub in the public, they'll survey them and get them to answer questions about hospitals, and then that becomes your HCAP score. Okay. So that's what you can find there. And so the story is about primarily two physician researchers uh, who studied the site, the hospital compare site, and their recommendation, so the problem is, apparently, only 6% of Americans are familiar with the site, uh, and patients have a difficult time interpreting the information and putting it to use. This is according to one of the researchers. Mm -hmm. So their primary recommendation was uh, adding patient comments to the site. So right now you get, the, you get the Medicare clinical data, which is pretty limited, but you get that, and you get the HCAP scores, and they're recommending that you allow for people to post their opinions and feedback of hospitals on the site. Okay. So that was what the story was about, and, and it just hit me in all kinds of different ways. My, my first question is, why are we turning to two physician researchers to evaluate the effectiveness of a website? Am I a-hole for even asking that question? <laughs> What exactly is a physician researcher? I, I don't know I don't... what that means. That's a good like. Are they? I think they are physicians. They are researchers who are physicians. It doesn't say that. No. Like one of them. They her research, name is researchers Tara, who research physicians. Her 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 name is Tara Lagoo, and it just says she's from Bay State Medical Center and Tufts University School of Medicine. It doesn't say she's a physician, nor okay. does it identify her co-author as well, a physician. You know damn well if she was a physician that she would insist MD be placed. After her, her credentials yes. would be included with her name. <laughs> Good point. So we could assume she is not a doctor. So they are not researchers who are <laughs> physicians. They research physicians? That's got to be. Again. That could be. So if that's the case, this is consumer-oriented. So why are we? I, it just struck me as odd. It doesn't really say why they did this. They came out with this study. And, and, I, and I looked, and maybe I missed it, but it doesn't say, like, CMS hired them to do this. I mean, clearly that's a problem if only 6% of Americans are familiar with the site. Right. Um, so, so that was my first thing, was who are these people and why did we hire them? And, you know, it's just odd. Um, the second thing that hit me was, oh, my God, no, please. <laughs> Not that. <laughs> now, we've talked about like this Yelp. before. Yes. I, you know, there are, I have reasons why health compare probably suffers as a website um but the lack of public opinion to me is not, not one, one of them. them sure and the one good thing about healthcare or hospital compare is that it's objective third-party information that's been qualified somehow and it's not joe public harping about 
XYZ hospital. Yeah. We've got enough of that out there. Why in the world, other than just sensationalism, would you want that wrapped around right, us? Right. Now, that's my first instinct. What do you guys think? That would be my first instinct as well. And I, I you know, you and I, I think, have disagreed on, on some of this kind of stuff in the past, whereas I'm more open to saying, yes, let the voice be heard right. there, whereas you're as keep that, don't let it muddy up professional research or qualified research. Don't let that crap get in there and muddy the waters. Which you know? I've defined as the murky, misleading muck of the masses. Yes, I like, <laughs> I like now. <laughs> nice. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to totally agree with you here because there are, there are plenty of resources to go to to get consumer comments on, on this, whether it's a ho- a ho- on hospital ratings. Really, I mean, you could, you could go, to, go to Google Maps and type in a hospital, and you're going to see comments right there um, on, the, on the results that pop up. On, on a map of all things, right. um, go to places like Yelp, any, any service where you can review, go to Twitter and type in the hospital name, go to Google and type it in and add the word sucks at the end of it. <laughs> or another word that's, you know, that's in opposite of that, that I, I had a great experience, loved it. Um, there are plenty of ways to get that information. Um, if it's something you're seeking, it's really annoying to have that information sla- to be slapped in the face with that when you are just seeking more scientific data. Mm-hmm. That's Qualified my that's my data. two cents. Yeah. Qualified data. But considering only six percent of Well <laughs> yeah, that too. Well here's why I'm... it's only six percent. And I remember uh when hate age caps first was instituted and came out, came out meaning they're going to publish the scores. This was I'm gonna say two years ago, I can't remember. I was actually speaking at a conference on this very topic about mm-hmm. how there's all these new entities out there that are influencing uh, healthcare decisions by consumers. And part of it was, to me, it was the Wild West because I had a slide already prepared of, I can't even tell you how many websites you could go to to compare hospitals and physicians around price, quality, patient feedback, all of this stuff. And at the conference, people were freaking out about age caps. Because it was healthcare marketers and communicators, mm-hmm. and they were all concerned about this is going to hit, and our newspaper is going to run with the fact that we're you know low score or whatever, and uh, this is this could be a huge PR nightmare. And I said, you know, just time out for a second, put up the slide. Here are all the resources consumers have. Do you really think that right. adding one more right. bullet point to this list is going to change the world? They're not even going to know. Now, part of the issue was HCAPS was running advertising in all major markets to promote this. Yeah. But I said, even then, you're still lost among the mix of all the other things uh, that are going to happen. And sure enough, in our market, in the Star Tribune, there was a little teeny, like, I think we even talked about it on the podcast back then, two-inch article about it. Didn't mention any hospitals by name, just the fact that this was now available. It was a (laughs) non-story, as it really should be. So, Jackie, to your point, you know, it's only 6%. That's because it's in a sea of offerings. Right. Well, but does any website offer anything like this where they, sure. where they rate, you can rate hospitals, mm-hmm. but then you can also comment and give feedback at the same time? Well, like... I mean, that's kind of a new concept unless I'm just not aware of... I don't of- know. Health grades, for example, it's the same. I'm pretty sure it's the same data. So the, the government is behind health or hospital compare. So they're putting up Medicare clinical results there. Yep. Health Grace takes the same data and packages it differently. I think like every state in the country right. has this. 
whether or not you're able to comment at the same time, I don't know. But there are plenty of feedback. sites dedicated just to that. Um, Angie's List. Right. Uh, Healthcare Scoops. I mean, the right. list goes on and on and on. So I don't know if, if, if there are any that combine the two. So that might make it unique, but I, th <coughs> I don't know that it's still a good idea. And I don't think it's going to help increase their their notoriety, their their awareness. The site mm -hmm. also is very, in my mind, cumbersome. It's not designed well. It's not very appealing. Limited information there. Right. So it's also from the federal government, which right now is not the source that a lot of people <laughs> think is right. a good one. <laughs> right. Politically speaking. Well, and we as a society, and I think our industry is susceptible to this especially, there's just a sense of this hyper paranoia, paranoia of what if, what if, you know, this is going to happen. So we need to be so prepared for this. I mean, another example is conceal and carry here in Minnesota. When that was passed, um, I was working at a hospital at the time so that immediately all these signs went up all over the hospital. We banned firearms on these premises right, and right. the way, the way it's even stated sounds grammatically incorrect. It's, now, do it's you know why on the, in these that Yes. It was required by law. They had to use certain words. They had to use certain font size and certain fonts. Well, and that that goes for almost any, I don't know, government regulated signage. I mean, there are uh, what is the act? The disability something Federal Disabilities Act yeah, that yeah, dictates. Yeah, yeah. It's probably based on that. But um, so all every hospital has these signs up across Minnesota, across the Twin Cities at least. I'm not. I can't say Minnesota, but um, let's say fire we. North Memorial bans or firearms, whatever right. bans firearms on these on in these premises in these premises yeah right um and it's really what the whole I mean, and and outside of hospitals the whole conceit people were freaked out oh everyone's gonna it's the wild west people are gonna be toting guns everywhere and it's been <laughs> it's been a non issue it's been you've heard nothing about it right. there have been no incidents about it. people who are carrying them are obviously carrying them safely and not using them because there aren't stories of them going off <laughs> or people vigilantes just taking the law into their own hands. So now you've got hospitals that are close to bad areas of town with these signs all over that say, but we do not allow guns here. So people from out state who come in and who really yeah. weren't aware of that, all of a sudden they're like, what, what? And it's also not just hospitals. It's any public oh, it's, it's, building. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. you, you can walk, building, you can walk downtown office building. However, some of them slap you in the face with it. And some of them put the signs in a fairly discreet location and some don't have i mean you could there's a number of buildings around here we i mean this building doesn't have anything well, on they it must it. allow guns on the premises which is i mean who who in there who seriously if i if i this path? if i sure file if i file for conceal and carry and i'm carrying a gun which i have feel no need to do um what am I going to do? Leave it, leave it in a basket at the door, turn around and go home and drop it off I, and come back? I no, I'm going to bring the gun in with me. fair to say there are quite a few people in our society who would be uncomfortable with guns in their building. I don't think that's an extreme. But it's not going to stop anybody. You can say don't no, bring you your gun in. Right, if, you, if, you want to, if you want to have any kind of legal claim, sure. then you have to state it. I mean, the law used to be you can't, have, you can't but it's, carry it's, a weapon in public, right? So they changed it to say you can conceal and carry, and if right. you don't want it, so instead of it being like opt, opt out, it's opt in or whatever, you had to expressly say we don't want it, whereas before it was the law. Right. So that's why all the signs went up, and I, I don't know, I don't know if we want to get into the politics of that, but <laughs> I can understand why if I owned an office building, I wouldn't want people bringing guns in there because my liability shoots up. 
and literally, <laughs> and if somebody <laughs> shoots somebody, and I've said you can't have guns in here, now I have a legal claim. If I don't say that, then they have a right to have it in there, and I don't. So I, I don't know, but that's that's why it'll happen. Right, but it's an. I mean, it's it's sure I can understand the legal grounds for it, but you're getting so close to a what? politically sensitive thing, and we're only two weeks from the election. Okay, <laughs> whatever. Like I. I, I I don't tread lightly around subjects like this. I don't tread on. I me. stomp through them with my. <laughs> All right, I'm going to reel us back in because road boots. Speaking of firearms, this art half the article is about the dude who heads medical justice, who we've talked about before. This is the consultancy that gets physicians to have their patients sign a waiver that says, "I agree not to say anything negative about you." Really. Yeah, that is just absurd. It it sounds like some of that's changed. So that's the way it was. Now maybe they're maybe they're um, what they're saying now has changed because this this um, article makes a point of saying um, this post has been changed to reflect that medical justice's program asked patients to sign a contract giving physicians power to edit or remove posts after they've been published online. A previous version of the post said the contract required patients to ask permission before posting. That was an early iteration of the program. So, so what they're saying is now it seems like they're having um, patients sign something that says if you say something wrong or negative about me, I can take it down, which I still think is cornhole. Yeah. Oh, totally. That defeats the purpose. So, How about yeah. you do your job and do it well so people <laughs> say, ni- so people right, say nice right. things about you? <laughs> now, the thing is this, is, this is interesting to me because I, whenever I see this guy, it just makes my skin crawl. But then he's got some recommendations in here that actually I agree with when it comes to social media and patient there were feedback. A few, yeah, there were a few things in there. Though. Yeah, so it's kind of like the whole healthcare reform where if you poll people nationally, people hate it. Oh, I hate healthcare reform. And then you ask them about the, the main components, and they're, they love all the main components. Right. So it's the political <laughs> part of it. So it's kind of like this guy. As soon as I see his name, I want to stick my head in a furnace. But, but then he says, for example, he would like to see sites commit. So anytime you can give patient feedback, he would like to see them commit to amassing some, you know, it says, quote, some number of posts on a given doctor before publishing them. It smooths yeah. out the extremes, he says. Now, we've talked about that. I like that, yeah. We've talked about how one of the things that helps with the murky, what did I, I call it, the murky, misleading muck of the masses is to have some kind of minimum amount of posts so it doesn't skew ridiculously right right? so if you have 10 people talk about a doctor you're going to get a little better idea than just one or two right and as much as we all like to think that people will be logical and common sense about well it's just one or two it doesn't matter as soon as you see that somebody says that doctor's an a-hole it has an impact on you Mm -hmm. even if you logically try to dismiss it so i like that uh, he also argues that posters claiming to be patients should be verified as patients. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree with that. We've talked about that before about the the whole idea of anonymity. I mean, you can look, you can relate that to like the App Store. I think Apple App Store. At one point in time, you could re, you could rate apps without downloading them. I believe they changed that so that the only people right. who could rate apps were those who had purchased them. Mm-hmm. Same thing makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah. I think that's fair. Um, one thing he suggests that I'm still not for, limit the commentary of patients to customer service issues like wait times rather than technical discussions of procedures or other aspects of clinical care. No, 
but he says eliminating the feedback to non-clinical topics would allow would also allow physicians to respond directly without violating patient privacy laws. I think that's so condescending it makes me want to puke. Yeah. yeah. You are I mean I believe actually that most of us aren't qualified, but if if yeah. you're I have friends whose kids have type 1 diabetes and they know this stuff inside and out. And if a doctor was going about it in a way that didn't fit protocol or best practices, you're telling me that they shouldn't have the ability to say, I don't like this doctor because he completely ignored some of these common sense things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sorry, yeah, that's yeah. just. Yeah, don't tell I'm people what that, don't yeah. tell people what they can <laughs> no, and cannot it's talk like about. You're not worthy. And I do think that there's an Holier issue than with thou. that. But still, I wouldn't limit people. Mm-hmm. Doctors and their. Now, this is now one more thing. <laughs> one of the researchers, Lagu, um, quote, Lagu says she appreciates physician concerns, but that her research suggests that phony reviews don't happen that often, that most reviews are, are on non-clinical aspects of care, and that the vast majority of reviews on existing physician rating sites are positive. I believe the positive, but how in the world is she researching to find out whether people are who they say they are? I mean, I, yeah. I think that that's, that's a glossing over of a real issue. Now, it may not be the majority of people lie, but they certainly are out there. So yeah. just just say, oh, don't worry about that. Is that's I think that's a little silly. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else on this one? I don't think so. No, that's it. No, I did. I tried the website out. Actually, it wasn't interesting. I compared two smaller hospitals near our residence to um, a larger hospital in the St. Paul uh, area, and it was just interesting to look at some of the. Uh, statistics versus mm-hmm. them versus especially when it comes to this patient the satisfaction how you know how they they rate their experience because the right. smaller town hospitals were like were clearly beyond the large hospital which yeah, makes sense when it comes to that you probably get it's a little bit more mellow of an environment you're probably going to feel a little more paid attention to connected to your hospital connect, too, yeah it's part of your community right, right? so you feel a little right. more ownership in it yep okay I just thought that was a really weird article. Definitely they need help, but I just thought the recommendations were tad off base. Okay, so one more. Ed, I'm going to let you lead this discussion. Uh, You brought this to the table. Uh, It was a post by somebody, Steve Rubel, you can describe who that is, about storytelling, which I think is a great thing for us to talk about. He called it transmedia storytelling, which I don't know what he means by Transylvania. Transylvania. <laughs> Transylvania. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you something. It came to mind. So, so transmedia just sounds like a highfalutin well, Yeah, word. and I rolled my eyes. I mean, we'll link to the article and you can read it. But I mean, it is, I mean, it's pretty self, the title is kind of fluff and self-explanatory fluff as well. But I just, I disagreed with the essence of the article and I didn't, unfortunately, I did not read it again today. So I'm drawing a, a little bit of a blank as to some of the meat from it. I think it was the primary point was it's harder and harder to reach people. And so the ability or the capability to be a transmedia storyteller is more and more important. Right. right. Well, yep. in what I roll my eyes with that is I'm getting, it seems to be a, this common theme for marketers lately is that every, everything they're hanging their they want to hang their hat on is around storytelling. People need to hear our story, everything. And his, his point was that this is the future of marketing. This is where marketing is going. It's what it's got to be. It's this transmedia storytelling. People need to learn about telling stories. And it's like, come on. You know, it's... 
Oversimplification? It, well, it's oversimplification, but it's also, mm-hmm. it really is annoying fluff. Because, A, if you've, if you've got a product or service that is remarkable, A, that's what you should be focusing on creating. Because if you do that, you don't need to tell your story. Other people are going to tell their story about using it. And that's what matters. Your story doesn't mean dick for the most part. <laughs> what, matters is, what matters is the, story, the stories from the masses, the people who have used it. Their stories about their experience with your product or service is what, is what matters, really. But that can, that can be storytelling. Well, I mean, you, can, you can use those, leverage those stories. Yes, but the power comes from people, tell, not from you telling those stories. Ultimately, it's from people sharing their stories, with that story with other people. Um, and there's just so much. I don't, I, you, don't, you don't hear enough about that. You just hear how you, it's all this, we need to tell our story. We need to learn how to tell our story. We need to hire professionals to come in and, and write, write our story for us. It's like, shut up. <laughs> Just create, you know, focus on creating a remarkable experience and let other people tell the story. What do you think, Jackie? That's my two cents. I don't know if I took that away from that article that it was necessarily telling your story. It was just that you need to do it through a variety of vehicles, whether it's, Mm -hmm. you know, about your product. I I didn't get that it was necessarily telling your story well that's what i took but, from it okay well that's Not a key bad. difference i mean i think the transmedia part just throw that out yeah i mean you know who's gonna say you should really be able to tell your story through one channel only i mean transmedia is just obvious and redundant well, so, yeah. and it sounds like such a s- fancy 3.0 word <laughs> that you just go come on but the storytelling and this is where um i'm with you in that i think storytelling is cliched I do think there's power yeah. in it. Um, it's just how you're talking about it. If you're, if, if you're talking about the different means to communicate or compel people to use your product, right. there is you know, kind of direct messaging, which is I have the Bevelo pen, and it you know, has blue ink, and it lasts longer than all other pens. You know, just kind of direct benefit selling. Mm-hmm. Um, there's inbound marketing where I might provide content about how to maintain pens and you know how how best to use a pen and it's all about the expertise of pens and not necessarily my product. Well that's fine and that's but not that's well, storytelling is yeah. another way which is um, I was flying on a plane and I had the best idea in the world <laughs> and I asked the stewardess for a pen and she glanced over and said here this is the best way to capture your story. Yeah, she and I wrote down my idea, and then I looked up, and it was a Bevelo pen. <laughs> and, and so you're, you're, that's the storytelling that I think he's talking about. Not necessarily well. we need to tell our story, but using a st- what a story is, which is like a fictional kind of little, it's got a beginning, it's got a theme, it's got an end, all those things. That's how you communicate your message. So that's how I'm hearing okay. it distinguished from those other examples I gave. I'm probably just extraordinarily jaded from working in environments <laughs> where the product or service clearly needed improvement, yet there was this belief that if if only we could tell our, our great story, people would want to come use sure. these subpar services. And it's... Ah, I'm just bitter. I'm a bitter well, and that's middle-aged bitter man. I, I, think, I think that's fair. I mean, I think what we like to say is, hey, yeah, you, you need to tell your story. What is your story? you got to have a good story to tell. Right. You need, right? Well, you need something good to tell, a, to base that story on. That story needs to be 
genuine. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. You have to have a story. You right. have to have something that's meaningful or different or whatever. But I think where we're, we're drawing a distinction is we hear it all the time. I mean, I that's part of my Joe Public presentation is, you know, we're a hidden gem. We're the best kept secret. We, ju- people, we just need to tell our story. That is a That's basically a call from people who don't get that says if we could just tell people about us, they would use us, which is completely missing the point. Right. Storytelling is an actual means for doing that. That I th- I think that's what this guy was about, which is it's a it's a means for communicating about your product or service in a in a special unique way, like Goldilocks or um, the Bevelo Pen Airport. Well, perhaps perhaps his, perhaps his assumption is that anybody who's going to read his post will already have a remarkable product or service to talk about or to to tell the story of yeah but that was not no that wasn't in there certainly was not in there right and i just i don't know i i think too many people take too many people read posts like this which in and of itself wasn't a bad post so don't get me wrong on that i know he's he's a i've read other stuff that he's that he's written and it's and it's a smart guy um but i don't know too many people take take nuggets away from these things and take the wrong nuggets away and you've got people wanting to tell stories about crappy services and it's it's unfortunate because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's not doing them any good no i think that's a fair point i think patient testimonial is a classic example of a story sure yeah and that's right. that's people telling their story mm-hmm. and if it's done in a creative or compelling way it's part of the problem with joe public doesn't care about your hospital the main problem is what we have to sell is not relevant to the mass of people out there. Mm-hmm. So that's why patient testimonials have an opportunity to bring some relevancy because you're giving them a story of someone like them. You're not necessarily putting your service in their face. You're saying, hey, Chris, here's somebody who's like you. And that story is compelling because I see myself in them mm-hmm. and that leads me into the services. Um, but it still has to be a, a compelling story. It has to be different from the other stories. And it has to be based on something real. You know, it has to be Real based decent, on yeah. to Adam's point, like something worthwhile, yeah, compelling. All right, storytelling. <laughs> Your parents uh. ever tell you stories when you were a kid? I used to do that to my kids. I haven't done it for years. You mean tell yeah, stories? Really. Tell stories. Tell a story, Daddy. Like at bedtime, and you just make up a story on the fly. Really? And then oh. I would give them I don't like, think so. you know, give me give me an animal, give me a place, and give me a food. They would say, like, cow, you know, Brazil, and pizza. And I'd have to make a story that involved those. Wow. It was awesome. It was kind of a good Creative tool. exercise? Yeah, it was a creative <laughs> exercise. But it was, it was also hard work. I think that's why I got away from it. <laughs> it's a lot harder than just reading to your kids. Oh, right. Where you can almost do that unconsciously. My mind starts thinking about other things while I'm reading a book. Oh, yeah. Because I don't really care what is in the book. I can't do that when I'm reading for myself. But I can just go, la, 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 my mind is drifting. But when you have to make up a story like that, I remember the reading work. of the books more. My yeah. parents just threw a book at me and said, have fun. You should try it. You should try that with Matt. Make up a story every night. Perhaps I will. It's fun. And then you just have crazy endings and things that don't work. And <laughs> Sometimes they're like awesome. You're like, how did I just come up with that? Spot? <laughs> other times you're like... That's just pathetic. And your kids call you on it. Did you miss your calling as a child book author? A child book author? Whatever that means. I don't think so. No. I don't think my stories would make it into child books. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. Is that it? Yep. We good? All right. For Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards, this is Chris Bevelo. Jackie Ritacco. Adam Meyer. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you.